Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Oh, baby, live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Good morning and welcome to the program. It is The Michael Duke Show and it is hump day, hump day. That's right, middle of the week, downhill slide to Firearms Friday. Boy, the last 10, 12 days have just been like, woo, man, just absolutely crazy. Just room zoom zoom We can't believe we got here already. It was just Friday, and now it's Wednesday, and it's almost Friday again. And that's just, I guess, it's true what they say. You get older, time just speeds up. It's like time travel, only not as fun. Uh, all right, so anyway, it uh, it's a great day today. Today is all about peninsula politics. Uh, we had Tammy Wilson on the program on Monday. Uh, to talk about stuff in the interior, uh, and I thought, well, it would just be uh, it would just be uh, brilliant to have folks on from other areas that are having their elections next week. Uh, and then David, <clears throat> a listener down on the peninsula, was kind enough to uh, hit me with a bunch of easy contact information for some of the other candidates. So I reached out to them, and uh, we're going to do it. So lo and behold, here this morning, we're going to be talking about uh, peninsula politics. Uh, and joining us on the program today in hour one and hour two are going to be uh, a duo, a husband and wife duo. Now, this is an, kind of unusual. We saw this last year with the uh, um, the husband and wife who were running for um, the two statewide offices. Was it Stanley Wright? Uh, I know I, it was. Uh, anyway, we've seen this in the past. Uh, anyway, so this morning, Lindsay Bertoldo is going to be joining us in hour one. She is running for the Nikiski seat on the Kenai Peninsula uh, uh, Board of Education. It's the school board uh, for the Nikiski District down on the Kenai Peninsula. That's going to be in hour one. And then in hour two, we're going to be talking with her husband, Adam Bertoldo, who is running for the borough assembly in the uh, also from the uh, Nikiski, uh, the District 3 area of Nikiski. So this should be an interesting discussion on what's going on down there and what's happening and everything else. Uh, we're going to try and fit in a couple more. We've got two more candidates from the Fairbanks North Star Borough on Thursday. And then we're going to try and fit in two more candidates on Monday. Uh, we're not going to. <clears throat> it would be sacrilegious to bring people on Firearms Friday. But we will uh, have some uh, we'll have some more candidates on Monday as well. So we're working on that. Just just to get that last minute stuff in. Last minute stuff. That's what we're trying to trying to do. 
so uh, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a great show today and tomorrow and Friday. I mean, just you might as well just tune in. Just just stick the you know take the knob and rip it off your radio because you don't want to change the channel. Just be right here every day. It'll be great. Um, all right. So what, uh, what else we got going on here in this morning before we jump into it with, uh, Lindsay Bertoldo? Well, uh, there is a lot of interesting news, little tidbits out there, uh, some bigger news as well. Um, the, one of the biggest things that's looming and, and really has gotten so much talk that even I'm paying attention to it. Is the uh, possibility of a federal government shutdown? Now, they call it a shutdown, but I mean, is it? Is it really? Is it really more about theatrics and and pressure and everything else? I mean, I believe so, because when they talk about a federal government shutdown, uh, they really are just using it as kind of a ploy. It's kind of a pressure point. Uh, they only shut down non-essential services when they do the government shutdown, to which I immediately ask the question, why are there non-essential government services? Why are we paying for things that are non-essential? I'm <clears throat> asking for a friend. Uh, and then even after that goes on, the people who get furloughed or forget laid off, they get back pay anyway. So what is this really all about? Again, we've talked a little bit about this, the 12 separate um, funding bills that need to be passed every year that they haven't done it. They haven't passed a budget since 1996. Uh, it's all about continuing resolution and everything else and yada, yada, yada. So the government shutdown or the spending authority for Congress runs out on the current fiscal year, runs out this Saturday at midnight. And at this point, I don't know if they're going to come to a conclusion. I mean, I just don't know if they're going to be able to get it all done without some kind of continuing resolution. And quite honestly, I, you know, quite honestly, it just doesn't matter to me. I'm just, I'm watching this and I feel like more I should just be sitting back with a bucket of popcorn watching this thing happen. It's just like, it, you know. But the state of Alaska is going to try to minimize the impacts to Alaskans in the event of that federal uh, that government funding gap. Governor Mike Dunleavy uh, said yesterday that the uh, when the uh, that he has instructed state departments to evaluate federal programs administered by the state because apparently there's a lot of different programs that the state administers on behalf of the federal government. Those programs are mandatory by law, authorized outside of the annual appropriations process and have existing carry-forward funds. Um, those categories include like Medicaid, federal air traffic control, all this other different kind of stuff. Alaska has a hand in administering a lot of these different things. So he's instructed state departments to evaluate the and review potential impacts to Alaskans. He said he's committed to continuing essential government services funded by the federal government and administered by the straight, uh, state where he has the authority to do so. And then the state would then seek reimbursement for continuing those programs following the shutdown. Now, there's no guarantee that that would happen, but the in the past, that is what is, that's what's going on. There's no guarantee that it happens, uh, although the federal government's not required by law to reimburse states for expenses incurred during a federal shutdown, 
reimbursement has occurred following every previous shutdown. So everybody's eventually going to get paid. It may take the last time the government shut down was 34 days, 34 days. And everybody got paid and everything was taken care of in the long run. And it was much ado about nothing. Remember when they set up all the barricades around the mall in Washington, D.C.? Like it's a it's a public it's a federal park. Oh, so you can't go in there. It's a it's a thorough it's a park. I'm sorry. Park service is shut down. You can't go in there. This just just is so reminiscent of all the times where bureaucrats have been like, you didn't give me the budget thing that I want, so I'm going to penalize you by eliminating a program that everybody cares about. You know, it's like when the school system goes in and eliminates the music program first thing. It's like, what? I mean, there are so many other things, you know, overhead, extra janitors, all this, all that. And they're like, you're going to cut the music program or the math program? It, it, you know, it's like when Tony Knowles was governor and they were running out of some highway money. So what did he do? He shut down the road between uh, he shut down the road between uh, was it Fairbanks and Paxson or something or Fairbanks and up north. I mean, he just stopped road maintenance on. the Oh, is the road to Central. He just stopped maintenance on the road to Central. Of You're going to spend five hundred thousand dollars repaving the back parking lot of the uh, Fairbanks DOT facility, but you couldn't find $150,000 to plow the roads going north to central. So somebody's got a priority problem here. It's either that or you're just trying to punish us for not giving you exactly what you wanted. That's what this is. This whole thing feels like a hostage taking process, right? I mean, and this whole thing with the federal government where they just can't be bothered to actually do the job of Congress. Reason Magazine actually has a couple great articles on this that have popped up in the last couple of days talking specifically. J.D. Tuchilli, my good friend over there, has written about this <clears throat> specifically. And they go into the history of the whole thing about government shutdowns and continuing resolutions. And it's a fascinating topic when you realize how far they have come in skewing the system that was created uh, by the founders and framers, uh, and how far that has mutated over the years. Um, they, they changed how they used to, how they did business. They changed how they did this. And like I said, they haven't passed a budget. This is not 96 or 99. I don't have the article up in front of me, but it's like since 99, it's been 20 plus years since they've really passed a full budget, done the full 12 different appropriations and everything else. Instead, they're doing these continuing resolutions with these huge omnibus bills that, you know, they stuff full of everything, then don't give the uh, players a chance to read and, uh, and, and, you know, before they have to vote on it and everything else. It's just, it's, it's nutty, man. It is nutty. And then they, of course, start crying about the government shutdown. And, of course, everybody loses their mind because they couldn't possibly live without the government. Anyway, the governor's getting everything all ready, and we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Um, big name back in the news. Uh, it's been a while since we had her on the program. Um, and I knew that this was kind of waiting in the wings because she called me for some advice on this. But uh, it's, it's very cool. Kelly Shabaka is launching a nationally focused podcast called Stand that she says will be where courage is contagious and cowardice comes to die. Uh, Shabaka, of course, the former government watchdog and candidate for Senate. The show is going to be co-hosted by her husband, Nikki, 
uh, and it will feature an inspiring lineup of guests to equip and empower the audience to boldly stand up to life's challenges, according to Must Read. Uh, they're going to have candidates are going to have uh, uh, guests like uh, Larry Elder, uh, former acting intelligence director Rick Rennell, former governor of Wisconsin Scott Walker, social media influencer Alec Brusewitz, former attorney general Matt Whitaker, uh, Dr. Martin Luther, Luther King Jr.'s niece, uh, Alaska leaders and influencers. It will be a very interesting thing. And it's going to be broadcast on podcast platforms and YouTube, and it'll go live in November. So good for her. Good for her. If you want to learn more about it, you can go to standshow.org. So she's going to, she there, she's got the recognition. If you got the bully pulpit, you might as well grab it by the sides and ride it as far as you can. To see if you can get your message across. So good for good for her. Good for the Shabakas, both of them. Uh, that should be fun. So standshow.org is where you can go to find out more about that. And I suppose <clears throat> they probably got subscribe links up and everything else. So you could go subscribe to that and listen to that as well. So good stuff. Um <clears throat> Uh, what else we got? Well, we're out of time. As I say, I got another good story. There's a story about an energy storage project in the interior, which I hadn't even heard about uh, until this piece came out here in the ADN by Alex DeMarban. And I am, this looks super interesting. I mean, I, I could do a whole segment on just this one story alone. Uh, thinking about it, talking about it, getting your thoughts on it. Um, the $330 million energy storage project in Healy. That's, that's an, it's an interesting, maybe we'll, we'll see if we can talk about it here in a bit. All right, let's, uh, let's take that break. We got our guest coming up. We don't want to make them wait too long. Lindsay Bertoldo is going to be joining us. She is a candidate for the school board down on the Canyon Peninsula Borough, the Board of Education for the Nikiski District. She'll be joining us in just a hot minute. And uh, we'll get started. Back with more. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense. Liberty-based. Free-thinking radio. It is a Wednesday. Hump day. Back with more after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Man. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Gonna be a day. All right, I see that uh, Lindsay is uh, in the green room here. I can see her for just a second. I'll go check on her in uh, one minute here. Don't go anywhere. Maybe go back through the comments here in the chat room to see what else we got laying around, what's happening, what you guys are going on. Uh, hump day, yes, it is. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Lots of good mornings. Um, uh, scarf keeping you warm, or is it a fashion statement? Um, it was a little cool this morning, so I just decided to throw it on. Plus, it is a fashion statement. I am a jet setter. You know, that's just how it works around here. Um, 
Donna Ardwin, former OMB director, says the last so-called shutdown furloughed 17 percent of the workforce with back pay. Congress should start by eliminating 17 percent and keep cutting from there. I mean, that's the thing. The non-essential government services. I'm like, that is the biggest oxymoron. Why do we have non-essential government spending to begin with? That is my big question. Um, all right. Uh, it's Pouchwa. Yes, it is Pouchwa. Uh, all right. That's it. I think we're up against it. Let's let, we hit the bottom. We got to all the comments. Let's jump over to uh, Lindsay and we'll check her audio and everything else and do all the do all the secret stuff that we normally do. Let's uh, bring her on stage and say, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. Look at you. You got your own sound booth. It's a little car. I love <laughs> I love that. That's the way to do it, especially if you got young ones who are sleeping or whatever. Best thing to do is to run out to the car and get it done. Um, well, we're in the that we don't have the best reception. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. Well, that's true, too. I wasn't thinking about that. Because, see, you guys need to get Starlink because then you'll have the greatest reception in the world, right? That, accordingly. That's what they're saying. Yes, working on that. <laughs> um, all right. Um, well, you sound good. Uh, I think everybody can hear you here. Uh, let me just make sure that we've got um, – <clears throat> let me throw all the – let me throw all the special branding up here so we got your name and everything else. And I'm going to make sure that we say that you are a candidate uh, for school board uh, for, uh, well, yeah, board of education, but school board. Uh, board and Nick Kiske. Okay. Just so folks jumping in uh, in the middle of that can know who you are without having to. Have me say it. Okay. All right. Well, we're all good. Um, if you want to give us here, we're about a minute away, minute and a half away, and we'll get started. And uh, this should be a fun discussion. So thank you. Uh, appreciate it. I'll put you back in the green room for just a second while I make sure everything else is all good to go. Uh, will we be hearing from any of the ones running in the Matsu, says Denise, any of the candidates? Not as likely, Denise, simply because... I don't broadcast on terrestrial radio in the Matsu. Uh, I know I have a lot of listeners that listen and people who listen on the podcast, but I have a, I feel like I have an obligation when I'm broadcasting on terrestrial radio on the peninsula and on the interior to uh, give those guys priority. And we got kind of a late start. Normally I start about three weeks out. This time we started about a week and a half out. So, um, or actually a week out, uh, so we're not going to be able to get to them, unfortunately, but it is what it is. Scarf or ascot? <laughs> you guys on your fashion advice. It's not of a. It's not an ascot. It's a. It's called a shemog. I mean, I only got a, like a dozen. I've only been wearing them for like fifteen years. You guys have seen these things like every every day on the show in the winter because I wear one every day. Uh, because my neck gets cold. I got no hair in the back of my head. Have you seen the back of my head? There's no hair back there, right? Like Too much beard for an ascot. That is true. Yeah, that is true because the beard would hide the ascot. You, you know, there is a chin down there somewhere. All right. You guys ready? Ridiculous the conversations we get into in the commercial break. But why not? It's fun. All right. Let's do this thing. Lindsay Bertoldo, our guest, The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense. Liber oh, there is time. You're right. I keep forgetting that Matsu's on a different. Matsu's in November. Yes. Then Denise, yes. I will work on getting them in. There you go. See? Everybody, everybody's happy. 
Everybody wins. Here we go. Let's do it. Jumping into it right now. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Public enema number one. Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, Enemy. Public enemy number one, which makes more sense. On the other hand, he's a little bit of a pain in the uh, Michael Duke Show. Pain in the what? Pain in the what were you going to say? I just want to know. Welcome back. Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thing and Radio, The Michael Duke Show. It is Wednesday, hump day, and we are jumping into it on Peninsula Politics. Practically perfect in every way. Peninsula Politics, all the P's going in there. We're going to start off this morning uh, talking about school boards down uh, on the peninsula, uh, and we're going to talk to the Nikiski candidate, it is the tale of two Bertoldos today. This morning, we're going to start with Lindsay, uh, who is running for school board in hour two. It will be her husband, Adam, running for borough assembly. But we start right now with Lindsay. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm well. How are you? You know, just another beautiful day in paradise. At least it's not snowing yet, is all I can right. say. Right. Exactly. Is it? So um, let's get started here, Nikki. I or, uh, for, Lindsay, I pulled down the... Uh, I pulled down the voter handbook in the in the Kenai Peninsula, which is interesting because it took me a minute to find it, and I was actively looking for it. I know they're not mailing it out this year, but it gives us a little bit of a background on all the candidates, including yourself. And uh, there, you are you are kind of a, a new uh, a newer, I guess I should say, arrival to Alaska, and you've decided to jump into this and uh, and get things rolling. Give us a little bit of your background, who you are, where you are, where you come from, and uh, we'll get started. Uh, we'll get started there. Sure, I was. Um, I come from Northern Kentucky. Went uh, graduated from high school in Indiana, the cornfields. If you've ever heard of the movie Hoosiers, um, that's where the school, high school, I graduated from, um, and then. Uh, went to college at the University of Cincinnati. Um, when I was in high school, I tutored elementary school students and got the bug for teaching. I always loved school and would play school during the summer months. And so I majored in secondary education and English literature. Um, but then 9-11 happened and I wound up joining the Air Force. Um, my first duty station was in England where I met my husband. Uh, we got married there, um, had our first child there. And um, and then we, let's see, I went to Iraq um, when my son was six months old, and um, that was an experience. And then, um, well, we wound up um, separating from the Air Force after we had spent some time in Virginia at, a, at our next base there. Um, and so then my we moved back to Texas to be closer to my husband's family. Um, my husband was in the was a firefighter and paramedic for the city there for over five years in Texas, um, in the hill country. Um, we had a hobby farm there. Um, we were homeschooling our kids, um, and so then we wound up moving up here to start my husband's business. He's um, doing contracting and remodeling and building uh, homes now, and so uh, there was lots of work for him up here, um, and so that's what we've been doing, and since, well, 2014 is when we moved to Alaska. We've been on the peninsula since early 2015, and most of that time we've been in Nikiski, and we decided Nikiski is um, the area where we would start building uh, homes, buying properties, and building and selling, um, and that's worked out well for us, and um, 
Well, we were kind of concerned with what was going on, especially once COVID happened. Um, we're concerned about parental rights. Um, you know, we are for woke free learning. Um, Judeo-Christian values, we believe, is what's gone missing and is causing a lot of the issues that we're seeing in schools and in our communities today. All right. So that was a, that was a great knowledge dump. I appreciate that. I, I am stuck on one thing, though. You used to play school during the summer. I mean, you'd like be out of school and you'd play school during the summer as a kid. There might, yeah. there might be something our wrong. Our <laughs> teachers would send us home with worksheets at the end of the year. And my sisters and I, yes, would play school and grade each other's papers. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, let's talk about the moment that you decided to, um, uh, the moment you decided to uh, to do this, to jump into this. I mean, the school board is like the lowest level of elected office, right? So it's it's not, it's not like you're running for the White House, but there's got to be a moment where you like, you know, shook your fist at the air and said, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore, or I feel passionate about it or something. And you mentioned COVID, obviously the restrictions and some of the things that happened in the school thing. But what was the, what was the aha moment where Lindsay Bertolo said, I got to do this. I got to do something. What was that? What was that aha moment? And you know, what is driving you to take this leap? Well, I started, um, just getting act, um, reading my Bible more. I saw how we were supposed to be involved in government. Um, even outside of the land, um, the Jews and the, um, the Christians, um, they had dialogue with their government leaders. And a lot of times they were involved in government, made huge decisions um, to, that would impact, you know, in, in entire kingdoms. Um, and since we're called to defend the fatherless. Um, that was just a huge conviction to me when I learned that a lot of the kids in some of these schools are the fatherless. Um, and so I just felt like they were being taken advantage of in a lot of ways, ignored, um, not just looking at the, when I found out the, the grades that the scores that the kids were getting on, on test results and hearing employers talk about how they were having trouble finding kids that could, um, do the job and keep a job. It was just, um, uh, it's heartbreaking to me. And I just felt a real strong conviction that we need to start standing up as Christians um, and start doing um, our father's work. And so um, I started getting involved and um, working with Republican women of the Kenai, um, volunteering in elections, attending assembly meetings, attending school board meetings, um, and I, I saw the left lean on both of those bodies. And so um, then I started praying for my husband that he would have his eyes open that we need to get involved. And his eyes were open very quickly um, and pretty recently, actually. And so he decided to jump in as well um, because we just need stronger conservative voices uh, on those bodies. It's uh, it's interesting. You mentioned in your bio here in the voters pamphlet that, uh, you know, you ended up homeschooling. Uh, you you tried private school for one year with your oldest, but homeschooling was the only way to go. Uh, and that homeschool families feel welcome here now as a 
a family of uh, I had five kids and we homeschooled all of them. I agree. I mean, I think it's it's tremendous, but I think we also need to continue to fight for the kids that are in the brick and mortar schools, the public schools, and whether that's, you know, single family households or, you know, whatever. We're fighting for all of them because our kids deserve the best education we can we can give them without a lot of the you mentioned woke free schools. Uh, so right. I imagine that you're fighting against some of the ideological stuff that we've seen uh, being pushed into the schools. What are some of the highlights uh, that uh, are, you know, that that are sticking out to you for things that you think do not belong in our schools that you're seeing down in the KPV? Well, um, a lot of people, unfortunately, are still asleep and are not aware that we are seeing these issues in the borough. Um, they're being told by a lot of people in the borough, um, in the government, that uh, there's nothing to see here. Everything's hunky-dory. We're a quiet bedroom community, and we're going to stay that way. Um, but when, that's not what I'm seeing and hearing when I go to the meetings. Um, when they had that um, State Board of Education decision about, um, you know, whether or not to let boys that were born male um, who were apparently confused about their gender, whether they should be allowed to beyond girls sports um our school board did not want to take did not decide to take up that um you know i guess the conversation and um talk with the board and tell them what they think as far as not well not publicly um right but at the assembly they did decide to vote on that to send a resolution to recommend that they do keep it a girls only sport um and the school board president um, and the vice president both testified at the assembly meeting that they did not want to keep it girls only. Um, and in fact, the president was crying there um, before the assembly begging them not to do that lest kids commit suicide um, as if they're not already because, you know, of the hole in their heart that they need Christ. That's ultimately what it is. Um, and so I just, I don't know how people could not be aware that this is in our school district. Um, and not just that, but there's also the diversity, equity, inclusion um, verbiage that's in our policies now um, that the, the teachers are getting trained on. They're getting trained on um, gender equity and um, all these things. They're, from what I understand, they're quietly being told um, many teachers are being trained on how to talk to their students about, um, you know, changing their pronouns or whatever privately um, and, and secretly without the parents knowing. Um, and so there was also a recent vote that the board made um, and my opponent voted along with it to limit the number of challenges that the school that anybody could make to educational materials, including curriculum or books that are in the school libraries. So challenges, okay, so wait a second. So if a parent finds something objectionable in the materials, they, right. they could come forward and challenge it uh, to the school board or whatever to see whether or not that curriculum can be removed. But now they're going to limit the number of times that can happen? Is that what's... Yes, and they said the reason why they were bringing forth, they said was 
school librarians were coming to them and complaining that they're understaffed and they're concerned that there's going to be so many challenges that they'll be overwhelmed. And so the question was asked, well, how many challenges are you seeing now? Well, we haven't seen any yet. And so it's just like, okay, so why now? Well, the reason I think is because we just received a new curriculum in the district this year, CKLA or um, Common Knowledge um, Language Arts. And it's basically Obama's Common Core. Um, and so it's got a lot of controversial stuff in it. Um, some of it, there is a group called Curriculum Watch and they had some of the stuff removed, but a lot of it is still there. For instance, like in second grade, I, um, they're um, teaching on Greek mythology and um, Greek gods and goddesses and the worship of them and how the Olympics is involved and how you can get into the Olympic spirit um, and asking kids what who their favorite god and goddess is, um, teaching them about um, philosophers and the philosophies of um, Socrates and Plato and um, asking them, you know, just the questions that they're being asked. Um, it's just way not age appropriate. I mean, it's, it's, this is stuff that college kids are learning. This is stuff that, you know, you might learn in high school, um, but it's definitely not for second graders, which is who, you know, it's geared at. Writing. Maybe we should focus on reading, writing, and arithmetic so that they can all hit the math and, and reading uh, aptitude levels in the higher percentile instead of being in the 48th and 49th percentile for those things. So, you know. Right. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's crazy. All right. Lindsay Bertoldo is our guest candidate for school board uh, on the Kenai Peninsula down in Nikiski. Uh, we've been talking about how important it is for uh, how important it is for us to be paying attention to some of these races since they affect our kids so badly. We're going to continue with her here in just a second, but we got to take a quick break when we come back. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Lindsay Bertoldo, our guest. Her husband, Adam, joins us in hour two. He's running for the assembly. We'll continue that in just a moment. Running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee we dip our beard in coffee ha <laughs> nice beard the michael duke show <clears throat> okay we are in the break here and uh ready to go uh yeah second grade seems i mean i remember reading about you know greek gods and the kind of the pantheon and everything else that was happening uh but that would be later in grade school not in second grade uh brian says they learn all that and yet they leave school with no idea that there are three separate branches of government you know kind of thing like we don't even understand how the process is supposed to work more and more so <clears throat> i mean i have no problem with learning i thought you know i think soccer you know the socratic and plato and the socratic method those are all important things to learn but definitely maybe they should be learning more about reading writing arithmetic and how things work uh in the early years versus uh deeper philosophical subjects uh, as they go forward. I guess a lot of the things that worry me is the is is history. You know, we're not learning the history. Those that 
those that uh, fail to learn the lessons of history are doomed to repeat it, and we're not even really getting into that until later on. And in fact, are they even doing history? Is it still called social studies? I don't even I don't even know at this point. Are they still having a separate history class, um, or are we stuck with uh, you know the social engineering programs instead, Lindsay? Um, I think they're still doing history classes. Yes, and they're incorporating history into a lot of their language arts. Um, lessons, but it is a different kind of history than um, what we were taught. Um, and then, you know, like with that lesson on the on the Greek gods, one thing that the kids were being uh, told about was, um, you know, what the gods were, you know, um, represented and how one was the god of pleasure and wine and um, longing and desire and um, just uh, not just really not appropriate for kids. Um, but yeah, I'm, I am con- very concerned because a lot of the stuff I did see in college at the University of Cincinnati, it was a culture shock for me because I graduated from the cornfields in Indiana and then um, go in uh, what I was um, being told to believe and um, understand in women's studies um, was that men, you know, were just basically objects that lusted after other objects that women were just chicken breasts and chicken thighs basically um and it definitely was i could see that they were trying to do away with the nuclear family um they they were teaching uh women to hate men and not just women there was one man in our class and women's studies and um he was um definitely you know um just believe that men, you know, they had to hate themselves and believe themselves to be abusive and, and things like that. And it was um, very disturbing. There was only two Christians in the class. Myself, I was a new Christian and then another girl. And we were trying to counter what was being taught in the class. But we kept getting C's on our papers. Everybody else was getting, you know, higher grades um, because they went along with what was being taught. Yeah, it's it's an interesting uh, it's 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 definitely an interesting uh, thing to see and watch. And again, I, I keep asking the question of, you know, these people send their kids to college uh, and they're surprised when they come back all changed. And I'm always reminded of the old axiom of don't be surprised when you send your children to Rome that they come back as Romans, uh, because yeah. that's you know that's part of the part part and parcel of it. Uh, Cassie Lover down in Homer says, per a second grade teacher I know, she. She said reading and writing is not a curriculum priority in second grade. And I'm like, what? That should be like the first. That's the basic foundation for everything else. Why shouldn't we? Why, why shouldn't we do it? Um, yeah. Charlie says, I was told the reason for studying ancient Greece was to broaden their perspectives and help them be better citizens of the world. Again, see my previous comment about reading and writing being the basic foundation of all other learning. I have no problem with studying ancient Greece or the Pantheon or any of those other things. It's very interesting stuff, but to be, you know, what you have to have the basics down before you jump into the, uh, it's like trying to do advanced calculus after you haven't figured out that one plus one equals two. It just doesn't make much sense. It's very confusing. Um, so anyway, that, that kind of stuff is, uh, sad. Um, David, Dave, go ahead. I'm sorry, Lindsay, go ahead. They, they, they can't even read the word um, cat and, and basic words, and they're being taught to um, describe the terrain 
of Greece and um, explain why um, Alexander the Great was such a great warrior and, and things like this. Um, there, just a lot of the stuff, I mean, words that I can't even hardly pronounce, um, how are they going to be able to um, comprehend everything that they're being asked to do? No wonder their grades are so low. Um, so it, it's, I believe it's creating a, a wider gap um, between kids who have support at home and those and those that don't. Okay. Right. The ding means we're about to return to the radio. So we're going to jump back on there. Uh, lo, uh, folks, please like and share the show if you would. Write, uh, like and, and follow the show page and ring the bell on YouTube. Do all that kind of stuff uh, and, and everything else. Uh, just get more people involved in this conversation. Lindsay Bertoldo is our guest. We're going to jump back into it. Here we go. Common sense, liberty-based. Speaking of big words, here comes one. The Michael Duke Show, proudly splitting the left versus right uh, dichotomy. Yeah, I had to look that word up, too. I don't think it means what he thinks it means. There he is, though. That guy, Michael Dukes, the one with the show. Contrary to popular opinion, I do know what the word dichotomy means, but uh, maybe I didn't use it properly there. I'm not sure. Anyway, good morning and welcome back to the program. It is the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Our guest this morning, Lindsay Bertoldo, who is running for the Board of Education, essentially the school board down on the Kenai Peninsula Borough. She's running in the Dikiski District, and we're talking with her about the reasoning why she did this and and uh, you know what she would like to focus on and everything else. We're going to get to that here in a second. But we were just talking <clears throat> before the break about the appropriateness of teaching certain subjects at certain levels. And um, and we were talking about, you know, second grade and where I was saying that maybe reading, writing and arithmetic should be the base foundation for at least the first three or four years. That is the foundation under which all other learning has to occur. And we're seeing now that in our grade school levels and the aptitudes that were where they basically test the kids to see where they're at. We're falling in the 49th, 48th, 49th, 50th percentile. I mean, we're at the bottom of the heap for for all these kids on reading, comprehension, and math skills. And yet, if they're going to focus on all this other stuff, I mean, shouldn't that be a priority? Uh, you know, shouldn't that be priority number one? Yes, and I don't think that they should be passing kids along until they're really getting a good grasp of where they're supposed to be um, and, and reading um, and writing I and math. Um, like in kindergarten, I remember, um, you know, we learned how to write the letters, printing them, and we focused on that we, and learning the sounds that the letters made. Um, and so by first grade, we were ready to start, you know, putting it all together and reading sentences. And so they started breaking us into groups. There was the advanced uh, average and then the poor reading levels. And so by the time we were done with first grade, the kids who started out in poor reading levels were, you know, doing at least average. Um, and so, you know, if they were at that level, then they moved on to to second grade. And so that's how it should be that kids should not be getting to third grade and nine years old and still not able to read. The read by nine thing, that's not a high enough bar. They need to be doing that earlier um, because you're, I think you're really too far behind if you're trying to do it then. Right. Um, so I'm, a lot of kids are getting to that level 
And, and yeah, it's, they really should be back in, in kindergarten or first grade um, instead of where they're at. And that's not going to build your confidence, you know, as a kid and, and, and cause you to have a love of learning. You mentioned the read by nine, of course, that's the, the, that's the foundation and the, and the, and the template for the Alaska Reads Act. How do you feel about that uh, program? I mean, as you said, it doesn't go far enough because it, you know, they should read before nine, obviously. Uh, I mean, we homeschooled and my kids were reading by the first and second grade, they were reading. And my kids have always read. We have a real love of of reading in this in this household, and so we, we all my kids were reading at college level in you know low high 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 school low college level when they were still in grade school. They love that. So, but what do you think of the uh, AK Reads Act? Is it is it a good start? Should it be better? What What are your thoughts? Yeah, um, I I just don't think that it is an appropriate. Uh, Standard. I think, yeah, that that standard should be set for more, um, you know, first and second grade instead of waiting until they're nine and then third grade. Um, I think that um, there's just not really they're not really following standards across the bar in all all grades. I mean, we're starting to hear even colleges um, not requiring the ACT or SAT or any kind of, um, you know, they're. There's people who are saying on the school board saying we shouldn't be requiring teachers also to um, for this to be merit based as far as their pay, um, whether or not they keep a job or get hired. Um, and so if, if we're concerned, the, the comment that they made was that would be too stressful for our teachers. It has been too stressful for them, for them to be required to, you know, be uh, proficient, earn the living. <laughs> <laughs> to be proficient, I mean, like yeah. every other job out there, you have to be proficient at it, or you get fired. I mean that yeah. that seems like a strange double standard. Yeah, there's sh- we should see results before you get that reward, and and the same with our children. And they're they are afraid to set those standards. They're they're saying, oh, you know, well, it, it'll be too stressful and it will hurt their confidence um, if they you know get a get a bad grade. And so that seems to be their the problem is that belief, that underlying belief that they have, um, and it's it's spreading, you know, and it's going to be, if it's not already, um, in the workforce. And so um, that's a problem. Yeah. Um, it, it does seem like Obama's words are ringing true that he said when he was a senator, speaking of this nation becoming a nation of consumers and not producers. And that's what they were w- working towards. And they seem to be accomplishing accomplishing it. Uh, Lindsay, let me wave my magic wand and say that you did get on the uh, school board, that you're there, you're on the Board of Education. What did, what would be your focus for the first, uh, you know, for the first, your first term here or whatever? What would be the things that you're going to focus on uh, in, uh, you know, as you go on the school board? And, you know, what are going to be your hot button, your highlight issues that people need to know about? Um, well, focus on proficient literacy from an early age and the woke free learning Um parental rights and judeo-christian values I, I i'm not afraid to to say that i'm not afraid to try to put to go back to that um i'm hearing that parents are afraid to go into schools um because they're afraid of the students that aren't disciplined um that are violent um i just want to make sure that the students and the teachers that everybody feels um safe and heard uh, listen to, um, and I, I don't know, Trump and Reagan style 
um, education and initiatives. Um, that's what I'm for. I don't, I, the Obama, uh, Biden, uh, Bush uh, education system hasn't been working for us. No, I mean, I agree that education, hence the reason I homeschooled all five of my kids, is that I don't believe the current education system is doing a, a good enough job. Uh, that's for sure. You've mentioned <clears throat> Judeo-Christian values. Um, and, you know, while I'm a Christian, I do am wondering, are you saying we need to put, you know, prayer in school? Should they be teaching the Bible? Or is it just we should just be using those fundamental principles in the background? What are you, wh- which, which direction are you trying to go here? Yeah, I think both. I think we, I think we can bring back prayer into schools. Um, I think that yes, it's the foundational principles we need to go back to teaching the kids the Constitution, um, those types of things. What our founding fathers basically believed. Just go back to that. Um, just what worked for so many years. Um, we're losing. Uh, people aren't acknowledging right and wrong anymore um, because we are not acknowledging truth and where does truth come from? And I believe it is the word and the Bible. And so, um, I think we need to acknowledge that again and not acknowledge him so that we can be blessed and that we can, um, be successful in life and, um, be free. Basically. You mentioned parental rights. Uh, obviously this has been a big sticking point across the country, not just here in Alaska, but across the country where, uh, districts are concealing, uh, things from the parents, you know, whether or not a kid wants to use a gender pronoun or, you know, something else or whatever else. Uh, and it's just recently there, you're st- starting to see it now. The court case that just recently came out this last week where the judge struck down the policy of the school board saying that this is the basis. This is the fundamental, most fundamental right as a parent is to know what's going on with your children. And you can't hide that from them. If the child was attacked or did something you know, stole something in the school, they would be required to inform you of that. Why wouldn't you do something like this? Is this something that we need here in Alaska, not this kind of uh, hiding everything from the parent because the, the the young student, who are mostly confused, by the way, most of these kids, they don't know anything from anything, uh, but are mostly confused, hiding that from the parent, you believe that that needs to change to where the parent is informed of everything? I do. Um, and I think that they do a good job of putting in their policies that they're about transparency and having the, the parent involved. Um, but yet the, the parents do not feel involved are not involved because they don't feel welcome. Um, you walk into the school board meetings and there's no parents there. And um, students are given the first opportunity to speak. They're given the most time to speak. Um, it really should be more focus on, on the parents, more focus on, um, the community, the constituents um, who are electing the school board members, not, um, you know, the teachers, they have the unions um, to represent them. And um, the school boards seem to be, uh, you know, focusing on what the unions want them to do and say. And um, and so a lot of this is all lip service saying that they are for parental rights and they're, they're uh, for transparency and, and welcoming parents and wanting them to get involved. Um, their actions show differently. Um, and even in a, lot, a recent forum, my opponent was um, talking about how much he loved the unions and how much he supported them. And um, I just think uh, he's now going for the, the left voters, I think, because that that's certainly not what um, I think most of the constituents in the Kiski 
um, are wanting to hear. Yeah. Um, we are we are realizing that the unions are part of the problem. They think that they're labeling us domestic terrorists, you know. So. Right. Well, we've seen that across the country. we got about 60 seconds here, Lindsay. I want to give you your final statement, final thoughts, the exhortation to the uh, public or whatever. Uh, your final thoughts. Here we go. Um, so, yes, uh, I appreciate your vote on October 3rd. Um, I'm for school choice and um, wise money management and um, no medical uh, mandates or mass mandates or anything like that. So I would stand against that if it comes back. Um, if you need to contact me, my number is 907-420-7479. And my email is akgrizzlymama at icloud.com. All right. Lindsay Bertoldo. Uh, running for the Board of Education on the Kenai Peninsula Borough School District in the Nikiski area. Uh, we appreciate you coming on board. Thanks so much for being Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on board and giving us your insights. We appreciate it. All right, folks, we're out of time. we got more coming up dead ahead in just a few minutes. Adam Bertoldo, the other half of the Bertoldo clan, will be joining us talking about his run for Borough Assembly. You imagine if they could both get elected, they won't have time to talk anymore. It'll be amazing. Uh, all right, we got more coming up. All right, Lindsay. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I don't know if Adam is right there. If you're just going to hand the phone to him yeah. here, okay. Yeah. All, right. All right. Well, we'll change. Uh, we'll change the info here on the screen, and Adam can be part of it here. We'll get him ready. Uh, I'll put you back in the green room while you guys do your thing here, uh, and I will get that uh, all squared away. Uh, all right, folks. <clears throat> let me uh, let me put, excuse me while I fix this up right here. Uh, candidate for uh, assembly. <laughs> There we go. All right. I got it all scored away. We're going to be back to Adam here in just a hot second. Let me go back here to some of the comments because uh, you guys have been verbose about this kind of stuff. Um, does Miss Bertoldo believe kids should be retained in third grade if they cannot read at grade level or social promotion? I think I, what I got out of that is she definitely was talking about them having to go back. Uh, if they can't read, then, then they need to stick around. It's not good for them, which is why they should be teaching reading at that grade level to begin with. That's kind of what my thought was on that. Um, let's go over. Cassie says, oh, my God, it's a book. Uh, there are great teachers in our district. They are not to blame. This comes from the top down. My second grade teacher friend has an administrator sitting in her classroom to make sure she teaches this curriculum. She's been an educator in the district for over two decades and has been vocal that this curriculum is not educating our children to become productive adults. Uh, and that's it's part of the problem. That's 100% true. That's part of the problem right there. Um, who represents our kids, asked Dick. Uh, well, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, and this idea that somehow, I mean, I'm all for students becoming involved in, you know, things like, you know, school board meetings and things like that. But having them and giving them, that's got to be weighted, right? You've, you've got to kind of take that stuff as being weighted. Otherwise, it's like polling the, it's like polling the inmates at the asylum. How would you like, would you like to have pudding every night? Yes. Great. Right. They just don't have enough life experiences to be able to deal with it. And I agree with Lindsay. Parents should have a there should be more involvement, and uh, they the school board should be listening to the parents uh, on those. Uh, David says uh, also to uh, uh, also says to Lindsay, keep knocking on those doors, Lindsay. Good luck. So yeah, good luck, good luck, Lindsay. Good luck down there. Um, 
Mom, going through here, my kids, <clears throat> Melody says, my kids were reading at an early age because we are a household of readers. I think that's one of the most important skills that I picked up from my father. My father was a big reader. My mother, too, but my father was the visible one. He always had a book, always, and that always intrigued me, and, and I became very interested at that in a young age. Um, I was reading at college level by the time I hit seventh grade. Um and uh, because I just loved it. I loved the stories. I loved the, the information, the knowledge. I'm still fascinated. I still do a ton of reading every day uh, on subjects that we never talk about here on the program simply because I'm interested in them. And that's what I think keeps the uh, um, I think that's what keeps the brain pan sharp. Um, Justin says, Michael, I went to the 12th grade in Popper Bluff, Missouri. I couldn't read past the second or third grade. I couldn't spell past the second and third grade at the 12th grade level, and I never found it with me. I learned to, I learned to read in Fairbanks. That's tough, man. That's tough. I can't imagine not being able to read. Uh, I just I can't wrap my brain around that. And like I said, that is the foundation of everything. I mean, reading, even before math, reading is the foundation of everything. If you can't read, how can you even, you can't experience life if you can't read. You, you don't get a full experience in life. And I have run into adults who basically have committed uh, that they can't read. And, uh, you know, to me later on, I, I, you know, like they're having a hard time. Remember I was doing some, I was doing something one time with a guy editing or something and he admitted to me, he goes, I, I can't read. I can't read it. I just, I can't, I just, that's tough. Can't imagine going through life that way. All right. Um, let's go over here. We'll check Adam's audio should be fine because it was the same audio that his wife is using, but, uh, let's, uh, let's make sure that everything's good and see what's going on. Good morning, sir. How are you? Mr. Dukes. Good morning. I'm doing well. Good. Thanks for coming on board and joining us. Uh, you Thank guys you. all ready in your private sound booth and ready to get going things there and, uh, and, and do it. Sorry. I, I never, I always, I forget about that. Sometimes, uh, in different areas, the internet is not as good as it could be. So yep. I appreciate you taking the time to, <clears throat> to, uh, travel to the location that you needed to, to make sure that you got oh, the, the internet that's going on. Uh, if you're all ready to go, we're going to jump into this here in a hot second. Okay. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, good. Uh, we're going to be talking with Adam Bertoldo here in just a second, um, and we'll get things going on. Uh, again, I'm going to put him back in the green room. Just I wanted to make sure everything was set. Coming up tomorrow on the program, we're going to be talking with two candidates from Fairbanks. Again, Assembly and uh, Assembly and um, a school board. We're going to be talking with uh, Maggie Matheson, who is running for the school board, and we're going to be talking with or, uh, Maggie Matheson, I'm sorry, running for the uh, assembly, and Michael Humphrey, or they're both for the school board. Never mind. They're both school board. So we're going to be talking with them tomorrow. Sorry, too many names. Too many names in the brain pan. Um, all right. Uh, that's it. Denise says, same thing. I was a poor reader until about middle school. My mother did her job in the school jobs by making me read daily. It took one summer to teach me to love reading. Parents are the key. I agree. I mean, my kids always saw me with a book and always loved it. They always loved stories. They always loved, you know, the history and things like that. Dick couldn't agree more with that. Dick says one of the best gifts a parents can ever give their kids is the ability to read. Yeah. 
Again, finding children who make it all the way through high school that can barely read is a tragedy. Absolute tragedy, that's for sure. Okay, time to go. We're going to be back with more here in just a minute. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Hour two is right now. Let's do it. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Good morning and welcome to the program. Hour two of this hump day edition of the Michael Dukes Show. And we are on to Peninsula Politics. Practically perfect in every way. Peninsula Politics. Uh, we just finished up with Lindsay Bertoldo, who is running for the school board, Board of Education, down there in the Nikiski area. Uh, and we are joined now in hour two by her husband, uh, Adam Bertoldo, who is running for the borough assembly. So, I mean, if they both win, wow, it's going to be busy in their households. Let's uh, let's get things started and get things uh, cranking here for this discussion this morning as Adam Bertoldo joins us uh, to discuss. Good morning, my friend. How are you? Good morning, Mr. Dukes. I'm doing well. How are you? You know, they're no finer than frog hair. That's all I can say. Finer than frog hair. So it's just another beautiful day in paradise. Um, Adam, let's, uh, well, let's, let's jump right in. We got a little bit of your wife's background. Let's get, uh, let's get your background, who you are, where you are, where you came from, what's going on. Give us the, give us the rundown on who Adam Bertoldo is. Okay. Well, you know, I've had a couple of careers in my adult life. I grew up in Texas, um, joined the air force as a firefighter. I thought that's what I wanted to do. So I spent about six years in the air force as a firefighter. And as Lindsay said, we met in England and got married there. And that's where our first child was born. Um, and then after I got out of the Air Force, I uh, was a civilian firefighter for about five years there in Texas. And then uh, that's when we kind of got the Alaskan itch and decided to move up this way in uh, 2014. And then also I had a desire to be self-employed. So, uh, you know, I had always kind of worked on our houses along the way and knew I was pretty handy. So I'd, I got up here, got a, a contractor's license and started doing a uh, handyman work, progressed to uh, remodeling, and then um, went on to home building. And now I'm building spec homes here in the Nikiski area. Um, so that's kind of my my uh, work history. And what got me into politics was, uh, you know, Lindsay was really started getting into it. He was trying to pull me in, but I was kind of wanting to stay out of it, you know, at arm's reach. Um, 
but then uh, some of the things happened here at the borough level, kind of uh, with the elections that really got me interested in in there. And uh, I started getting involved with the election ordinance that they were tinkering with and uh, felt like we were able to help make some improvements there. And uh, that was kind of where I had the itch. And about the same time, Jesse Bjorkman vacated his seat here on the assembly to go to the Senate. And uh, so the assembly appointed somebody to fill his position. And I wasn't really happy with uh, how he was voting, didn't feel he was conservative enough to um, kind of balance out the left-leaning members on the assembly. So uh, that was when uh, when I decided to run and, and I thought, you know, I really can't let this guy go unopposed. So that's why I decided to throw my hat in there. Yeah, I mean, was that was that your aha moment when you saw the voting record? Is that is that because I think everybody who does this, I know when I I ran for the borough assembly in Fairbanks and served on the assembly there for a few years, but there was just that one point where I was just like, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore, you know. And I went out there and did it, kind of thing. Like I basically looked at myself in the mirror and said, if not if not you, then who? And if not now, then when? Uh, was that your aha moment when you saw the voting record and realized this is a disaster in the making, or what? Well, you know, my aha moment was when uh, when they started tinkering with the election ordinance. And there was a couple of things that they tried to take out that I really wasn't happy with. And that got me fired up. And I started scouring through the election ordinance, kind of became an expert on it in a short amount of time. Uh, one of the things they wanted to do was take out the de- the deadline for the certification. Right now it's at one week and they wanted to take that out and just make it uh, as soon as possible. Oh, wow. Which. Like, yeah, a lot of people weren't happy with that. And then another thing they wanted to do was um, take out some of the assembly oversight. Uh, it's right now it's in there that the assembly can demand a recount for any precincts that have apparent discrepancies. They were going to do away with that and just totally remove it. And uh, that was kind of one another thing that we raised a fuss about. Well, they end up leaving both of those things in there. So it ended up being a decent election ordinance. Uh, it didn't it didn't touch a lot of the big big issues, but it cleaned up a few little things. And that was kind of what really got me fired up and interested. So then I started going more to the meetings and paying attention. And then that's kind of where I saw my opponent's voting record. And kind of like you, you know, if if not me, then who? I was I was actually looking for somebody else, asking other people to run. Uh, nobody did. So then my wife and kids were on me and saying, come on, you'd be great. And, you know, I then I really had the pressure. I was like, you know, I want I want other people to step up and be a strong conservative for us. So I thought, you know, I better I better be an example and do it myself. Well, you, you mentioned something, you know, this this idea of starting to pay attention. You know, you said you started paying attention to what's going on. And I think one of the things that we get stuck on, I mean, nationally, this is not just an Alaska problem, but nationally is we get so focused on the hot button, high profile national stuff. And we get so fired up about that. You know, we. <clears throat> Things that we really have no effect on, that we can really not change or make a difference on, we get so fired up and it consumes so much of us, and we forget about what's going on in our local communities. I mean, you look at some of the reddest districts in the state, the Matsu, the you know the Kenai Peninsula Borough, at one point the Fairbanks North Star Borough, and yet you see that their local bodies are all slewing blue. You know, that these are conservative areas with kind of blue uh, govern bo- governing bodies. And it's because we've stopped paying attention to what's going on locally. And it's important that people like you step up and uh, and do that kind of stuff. What are the things that concern you the most, Adam, about what's going on in the borough right now 
Um, you know, what, what are the things that are, you are most concerned about? I mean, may, is it part of that balance, uh, on the assembly to have more of a balanced approach or what, what are the things that stick out to you right now? That, you know, that, as you said, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, um, disappointed on the national level and I felt hopeless on that side. Uh, but then when I saw that we were actually able, not even being elected to have an influence on, on that election ordinance. That kind of gave me a lot of hope, and I feel like there's things that really could be done locally where on a national scale I really couldn't do anything. Um, my primary focus would be to be a strong conservative to um, counterbalance a lot of the left-leaning members on the assembly. Um, but with that being said, I do have kind of some some areas that I would like to uh, try to influence. Uh, four main areas. Election improvements is one of them. School improvements is another. I don't think that the um, assembly has really done anything to hold the school district accountable. Uh, they fund them to the cap just about every year, and they don't even they don't even um, they don't even kind of give a head fake to kind of say, well, maybe we're not going to fund you guys to the cap every year if you don't improve. No, it's it's just pretty much a commitment. Oh yes, education is important. Right, rubber stamp. And, right, just rubber stamping it on the way through. Proficiency rates are about 30% for reading and math, and they keep saying, oh, we're going to fund you to the most amount allowed by law, you know, no matter what. Um, another thing is I'd like to make the KPB a mandate-free area. Uh, I, don't, I don't like a lot of the things that were pushed. Um, kind of goes against the freedom and the founding of our country, um, and we do have a lot of conservatives here. And I think uh, if anywhere should be free of that, it would be the peninsula. And then another thing that concerns me is uh, debt. Yeah, we recently passed a school bond issue, uh, $66 million. Um, it looks like already the budget might be blown and it might be another 15000 just on one project alone. Um, but we're paying we're paying 10% of our, our budget this year, about $17 million in debt payments. And then after the, uh, in a few years, it's going to be up to 22 to 24 when we finish projects on schools and hospitals that have already been um, approved. And that's that's a huge number. So instead of of kind of uh, being retroactive and having to pay all this interest and debt payments, I'd like to start have a plan to work that debt down and then take some of that money and start paying it to ourselves so that we can plan projects going forward instead of doing it afterwards and having to pay interest on top of that. Because we know we know there's going to be more projects coming. Um, People are going to want more more stuff built, capital improvements, things like that. Yeah, no, I mean, that's very important, but we have to remember that every time we go into a bond thing, not only are we indebting all of our properties on that, you are paying the interest and everything else. I know several communities have forward-funded projects and basically squirreled money away for a few years and paid, you know, paid the majority of the projects out of pocket instead of bonding for it um, or done some kind of alternate financing. That seems to be a much smarter way than basically going into debt. And, of course, the school bond issue and bonding issues in general – are always problematic because it's always free money, right? The state's always going to be there to pay for part of it, except for the years that they're not there to pay for it. And the state's struggling right now as well. They, I mean, that is a, it, to me, the bonding issue is a dangerous, slippery slope for, uh, for many reasons. Yeah. Yeah. In our business, we've, uh, we've stayed away from debt. So we've had to be real intentional. We had to scrimp and save, uh, to purchase things that we've needed. And it's, it's helped us to make, um, wiser choices with what we've had. Um, whereas you say, uh, you know, if the school school district can just ask, Hey, you know, we'd like to do these projects and, and, uh, get the voters to approve $66 million. 
um, when we've got some buildings that aren't even being used, um, you know, just just a lot of a lot of questions about how and it just seems to be a little too easy. And uh, I think if it was if it was a little more tough, we'd have to make wiser decisions. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree totally. Uh, as far as the election changes you'd like to see, I mean, what you obviously that was your hot button. That was your that was your 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 uh, your your guide to becoming an assembly member, you know, wanting to become an assembly member. So what other election changes would you be looking at? I mean, what, uh, when you look at that, you know, are, are you looking for something new or mail-in? What, what are you, what, what kind of changes would you like to see or protections would you like to see? One thing I'd like to see is I'd like to see us go to hand counting ballots and do away with the dominion machines. Um, they may be okay right now. They may be secure right now, but you know, going into the future with technology, uh, it's not very going to be very secure to be putting your ballot into a supercomputer. Um, and there's a lot of people that don't like those machines, as you know. Um, another thing is right now we can have absentee ballots arrive up to a week after the election and still be counted. I'd like to send them out a week earlier and then have them arrive by election day. Um, another thing that uh, that's a couple of the assembly members tried to do was have a uh, have a question on the ballot to ask the people of the peninsula if they wanted to change election day to coincide with the national and state election day. And that's something that I would like to see because we do get a lot more conservatives coming out for these bigger elections. Um, I'd like to resume sending out the voter pamphlet, which they, uh, they did away with this past year, as you, uh, as you mentioned earlier, right. and also increase the voter ID requirements right now. You can get uh, get into vote at the polls with nothing more than a fishing or a hunting license. So no no photo ID, just show no. a fishing or hunting license, and away you go. Okay. Yep. Well, and I, yeah, I mean that that is definitely uh, that's definitely something. I mean, I have to have more information to open a bank account or do anything else that's just personal stuff, let alone something as important as voting. Uh, yep. I have to have ID to enter an airport. I think it probably is a good idea to be able to have to show photo ID to do some of that stuff. Uh, your your uh, your your issue on the the pamphlet that was really shocking to me. Somebody actually clued me into that. Um, the voter pamphlet not being mailed out, and I I can understand everybody's looking to cut costs and cut savings. But you're telling me that you couldn't find a cost saving somewhere else and still be able to send this voter pamphlet out to people. Uh, I mean, that's I, I do almost everything on the Internet, but I will tell you that when my voter pamphlet shows up, I do read it, uh, even though it's, you know, I do almost everything else on the Internet and I get a lot of junk mail that I don't need. I still read that thing. And some people just didn't know. I mean, it's, to some people, it's a reminder. They're not paying attention. They don't know it's election season until that pamphlet shows up. I think that it does a disservice to people to uh, to not mail that out to every registered voter in the area. Yeah, and I think that uh, that's one of the decisions on elections that they've made here in this past year while I've been watching that they are getting some blowback about. Um, you know, it, it's it's a shame that there are so many people that don't pay attention and don't vote. So a lot of those did get thrown away. But for the people that did, uh, especially older people who aren't as tech savvy, uh, I, I actually prefer not to do anything on the computer if I don't have to. So, you know, my family, we always went through that uh, voter pamphlet. Even my children enjoyed reading it. Uh, you know, looking to see who all the um, candidates were. Uh, you also get sample ballots in there, uh, precinct locations, different things like that. And a lot of people are are um, are missing that. Absolutely. Uh, Adam Bertoldo is our guest. 
Uh, we're going to uh, we're going to continue with him here in just a moment, but we are up against the break. We will continue uh, talking with him about changes. Uh, we're going to talk about private property rights. We're going to talk about a bunch of other stuff as well. Things uh, that I'm going to try and bring back from my days on the assembly that I think are important and see where Adam stands on that. We will return with just a moment. Adam Bertoldo, our guest, The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the Internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. (laughs) Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, uh, in the break right now, Adam Bertoldo is our guest. Let me see uh, if there's any questions for Adam here uh, in the chat room. Um, Bill says, Bjorkman is part of the problem. Thank you, Adam, for trying to be part of the solution. Um, uh Oh, it, Denise says another suggestion for your election. Voting day is a day off work, too. I mean, OK. I mean, it takes all of takes all of 10 minutes to vote. I don't know if I should take the whole day off uh, just to go do that. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, again, I think these protect the voter booklet thing just blew my mind when I figured out that that was the real deal. I mean, that is uh, some crazy stuff that they would not mail that out. At a savings, I mean, I don't know. What did they save? Twenty thousand dollars, thirty dollars, about twenty-five thousand. That that was my guess. About twenty or thirty thousand dollars. So, I mean, while that's money, don't get me wrong. I wouldn't, I wouldn't throw that money away if it was mine. But at the same time, to save that little amount of money, and and again, how many people were just reminded that they needed to go out and vote because they don't yeah. normally pay attention to it, and they would go vote because they got the pamphlet? It seems like a way not to engage the public more. Um, and I know they want to put everything on the internet and all that stuff. And that's how I got it. I mean, that's how I looked at it and read up on Adam and, and Lindsay and everything else. But it just seems like that is that kind of justification rings hollow to me, Adam. Mm-hmm. It does. It does. And especially when you put it in light with the um, the other ordinances and, and uh, decisions that have come along in the past year for our borough assembly. Uh, yeah, I, and then Timothy just, I just saw this. I'm sorry. While you were talking, Timothy just said, pretty sure I had to show ID to get a hunting and fishing license. So you've got an ID. You had to show ID to get a hunting and fishing license. Probably should just show that at the voting booth. I mean, really, I know that they allow voter ID cards as well, which are not photo IDs, but you know, I I just think the idea of here's my driver's license or my state ID, I'm here to vote, mark my name off the list. That just, to me, that just makes sense. Uh, yeah, yep. you're you're required to show ID to pick up prescriptions. Everybody's search, talking about all the things that require ID. To, I mean, there's a million things that require photo ID. I can't deposit cash in my bank account without showing photo ID. My cash into my bank account can't. De- okay, I mean, come on, uh, not in my bank, but I've seen other people who've had that problem, kind of thing. Um, all. Um, Terry says all elections should be on the same day for more voter, voter turnout. This is another thing. This really screws me up because we were just talking 
Fairbanks is North Star Borough's uh, 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 vote of uh, election day, and your election day are, are both on the same day in October. Matsu's is in November. Anchorage's is in April. I mean, it's just so confusing for, I mean, for, you know, again, why not just have it all on the same day? Shouldn't it just, should it all just be in November, making it a huge ballot, or should all the municipal ones be in October and then the national ones be in November? I, I don't know. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I I would like to see them all on the same day, um, and you, you know that that is one way to guarantee voter pr- uh, turnout. And those on the left are always talking about voter turnout, voter turnout. Let's send a ballot out to every address, but they for some reason they don't want to consider this option because they know more conservatives turn out to vote on on these bigger elections. Um, and I think as a general rule, those on the left are more activists and involved in in all these smaller elections. Um, and conservatives, for whatever reason, just I guess their their style, they tend to be, um, you know, more concerned about living their life and they miss a lot of these smaller elections. Well, this is what I've been talking about, Adam. This is the problem. And, and in it, the national stage issues um, have consumed over the last 25 years, they have become the biggest focus for many people and especially conservatives. That's what they focus on. They get their outrage machine going over something that's going on at the national level, something that they really have no control or influence over. And and there's a, there's an old Psalm that says something about hope deferred makes the heart sick, right? So if you keep thinking, I'm going to make a difference, I'm going to make a difference, I'm going to make a difference and you can't, it ruins you. That's where that anger and that, uh, that frustration comes from. Where you can make a difference is the local stuff. And you're right. The left has been outplaying the right for years at the local level because they've got the special interests and everything. We need to focus on what's going on in our communities, period. That's what needs to happen. All right. I'm sorry. The ding means we're jumping back into it. I didn't mean to rant, but we're, we're getting back into it here. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Let's get this thing done. Uh, Adam Bertoldo, our guest, continuing right now. The Michael Duke Show. Seriously humorous with a pinch of intellect. <laughs> pinch of intellect. Sorry. That is humorous. Here's Michael Dukes. It's a generous pinch, all right? I got big hands. That's what I'm saying. Big hands. We're continuing now our discussions of peninsula politics. Uh, Adam Bertoldo is our guest candidate for the assembly in the Nikiski District down on the Kenai Peninsula Borough. Uh, And we've been talking about uh, his uh, reasoning for running, what he wants to change, the things that he sees. Um, You know, we were just talking about the importance of focusing on what's happening in your community. You can't make a difference necessarily at the national level. I mean, hell, they've called the presidential election how many times before Alaska's polls are even closed? You know, we can't change a lot of that. Well, what can we change? Well, your community councils, your city councils, your borough assemblies, your school boards, your road service areas, any one of those positions, you can have an effect on what's going on. And that's why it's important to focus on it, because we of conservatives, as conservatives, have fallen down on that. We got so hyper-focused on these big national blah and blah and blah things that we can't affect that we forget about what's happening. in our, Most of that stuff, by the way, that doesn't really affect us too much. Meanwhile, the stuff that really affects us on a day-to-day basis is happening in our own backyard and now we're not paying attention to it. Am I wrong, Adam? Nope. You're you're exactly right. And I fell into that category myself for a while. I became um you know, for a while there I couldn't tell a difference between the Democrats and the Republicans on the national stage. Um and as you're saying, you know, there's not a lot we can do there. 
other than vote. So I would vote, but I felt pretty helpless. And it wasn't until this election ordinance came along here on the peninsula. And I feel like uh, me and my wife kind of uh, going on a crusade about that. We're actually able to improve that. And that was when I realized, you know, and, and was empowered that, you know, we can have locally, we can have some influence and uh, affect some change and do some good here. It's what we need to do. It's what we should be. It's what we have missed out on paying attention to. Do. That's how we end up with a red borough, a, a conservative borough with a liberal progressive assembly. Governor, you know, right. same thing, you know, in a city council and, you know, these areas that are supposedly, oh, yeah, that's solidly red, vote solidly red all the time. And yet you look at some of the stuff that's coming out of the city council or out of the assembly and you're like, what? Well, it's because mm-hmm. you weren't paying attention. That's the problem. Um, one of the big hot button issues and you as a spec builder, I'm sure have deep concerns about this. One of the things that I saw in the Fairbanks North Starboro Assembly when I joined, one of the main reasons that I did get involved was because of property rights. Uh, Because there seems to be a a push and a movement uh, around the state and around the country to encroach and infringe more and more on your private property rights. Uh, You know, they're trying to do away, for example, in the in the Fairbanks or Star Borough, they really want to eliminate general use property because they you don't they don't want you to be able to do whatever you want. You already pay the government every month for the use of your property, whether you own it outright or not, you're already having to beg the government's permission to stay on your land. And now they want to change what you can do on it. Private property rights is a huge deal. How important is that to you? And how, how, you know, how, how, what's the fight like down there on the peninsula over private property rights? You know, that is important to me. Um, I haven't seen a whole lot of encroachment on private property rights, um, except for what they're trying to do right now with the um, gravel pit ordinance. And they're the, they're trying to uh, increase restrictions on the gravel pit operators. Um, and, you know, some people think it's a right to have a, a, a good view of their neighbor's property. So they really complain when they have gravel pits uh, next to them or if it's if they've got a, an elevated property and it's down below and they can see it. Um, but reading through those ordinances, I felt like the original one that we have in place is plenty restrictive on those guys. Um, but they're trying to increase the uh, regulation on that. And that's definitely not something I'm for. Um, what I find is I'm going around in this area looking for properties to buy that would be good to build a house on and sell is the bigger problem is the people that have their own personal little dump yards, you know, and just trash up their property. Well, you know, that kind of a lot of streets that'll just take that whole street out of the equation. I can't buy a house or a property there to build a brand new house on to sell. Um, and I run into that far more frequently than I do having a problem with a gravel pit in an area that stopped me from purchasing and selling that lot. Um, but for some reason, the government wants to restrict the, uh, the private companies that are being productive, uh, paying taxes and providing services for the area, but leaving the, uh, the people that are kind of being, um, I don't know if we could say, you know, <laughs> not, not stellar citizens and, and kind of dragging down the area, right? you know, they won't, they won't go after their property rights or try to make them clean up, but they'll go after the productive um, pit operators. Right. So that's an issue that I have right now. Well, we, you know, we had, we dealt with several junkyard ordinances uh, there in the borough. I'll be honest with you. I'm a pure libertarian. And so my idea is you paid for the property, you pay for the taxes. As long as you're not hurting anybody else physically or infringing on their rights, 
If you want to put up a pig farm, put up a pig farm. If you want to stack crush cars three cars high and make a fence out of it, make a fence. I mean, that's your decision. I knew that when I moved into the area or, you know, it's your I had the opportunity to buy your property before you did. I could have, you know, protected my view by there are so many things. I, I think the problem is we get so turned up about a lot of that stuff. We forget about people's individual rights to do. It doesn't mean that we're always going to like what they do, but as long as they're not physically hurting us, then, uh, you know, or harming our family, you know, dumping stuff in the groundwater, et cetera, we should just leave people be. I mean, Alaska is a big place. Go find another piece of property if that's what it is. Or, you know, or, or again, if you want to protect your view shed, buy up all the property around you. I mean, that's, you know, if that's what you want to do, otherwise you always run that risk of, uh, of having somebody put up something that you don't, it's not aesthetically pleasing to me. Okay. Sorry. That's what happens sometimes. Uh, you know, the other view that you could take out of it is I could get a great deal on this property. And then one day this guy, uh, is going to die or whatever, and he's going to get his act cleaned up and you know, Hey, then my property values will shoot up. It could be a great investment for the future. Who knows? Right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't uh, impose on the people with the dumps and I certainly wouldn't want to impose on the guys that are being productive. And um, as we've said, it's not a it's not a right to have a good view on somebody else's property. I mean, if you if you feel you want that right, you probably ought to make enough money to go buy a million acres somewhere so that you can have a perfect view 360. Exactly. I mean, that's a, there was a big thing in Fairbanks where there's a house up on the hill and and uh, they had a great view. And then somebody built a house below them and built it. It was like a box that went straight up. It was like four or five stories up. And uh, it was a great house. And the other people were like, it blocks my view. And I'm like, well, you could have bought that piece of property. I mean, it, you know, I'm sorry. That's that's kind of how it works around there. Um, let's talk about the borough as a whole, the borough budgets. Um, uh, I want to talk about, like you said, you mentioned mandates. We'll get back to that. But uh, borough budgets, uh, you know, they continually seem to grow. I mean, I was constantly fighting every year I was on the assembly about over the budgets, you know, finance meetings, trying to whittle things down. It was almost an impossibility. It's like just the nature of government is to grow. And we have so it's so hard to try and hold back on that. What do you feel about the, the size and scope of the borough government right now? Too big, too small, just right. What would you what moves would you make to change it? Let's start there. You know, I think uh, all in all, they've actually done a pretty good job of showing restraint. Um, there's probably a couple things in there that I, I would have voted against uh, actually paying for. But for the most part, they've shown a pretty good restraint and there's not a lot extra in there. Um, but I would like, you know, there's always people pushing for more. You know, they want, um, you know, every every group of people seems to want their their own they've got their own um you know pet peeve or project that they want started or something they want to see um and that's something that that uh, i would definitely resist um you know i think government should just be the few essential services that we really need uh for the people to be able to thrive in the area you know for the people and the businesses kind of like um education is a big one you know we definitely do want educated children um we, we homeschooled, but not everybody can. Not everybody has that option or is willing to. So we should definitely have uh, quality schools, um, you know, businesses and people in the area you do, do need roads. Um, I use roads for my businesses. Everybody else does as well. But, um, you know, apart from those essential services, we should limit it and not not grow, as as you said, the um, the tendency is for government to try to do more and more.
Right. Absolutely. Now, in the KPB, remind me, uh, because in Fairbanks, the borough does not have road powers. Um, they do have road service areas, but there are no road powers. Does the Kenai Peninsula Bro? They don't have a maintenance department or road service area or road uh, powers. They just have road service areas as well, right? Or is it one road, big road service area? It's it's uh, there's road areas. Yeah. Okay. I, it's all in one. Yeah. Um, interesting. You know, again, going back to private property rights and those kind of things and restricting the size and scope of government, those are definitely important. You mentioned mandates. Uh, one of the most famous speeches that came out of the COVID was Charlie Pierce standing out in front of City Hall on camera, basically saying, come down to the peninsula. We've got we're not enforcing it. We're not doing anything. Come on down. Business is open. We welcome your dollar. And I'll tell you, I was down in the peninsula a lot that next year, and there was a ton of people who took him up on it. I mean, that was really probably one of the smartest things that could have happened. Um, and you are not a fan of those kind of mandates coming back. And we keep hearing about new strains coming and mask, man, you know, all these other things. It's always something on the horizon, right? There's a lot of fear mongering going on there. But you would not support any of that. And I mean, go back to that. When Charlie did that, did you see a difference in your hometown? You know, um, that was before I really started to get involved. But there wasn't a lot as far as mandates here, apart from schools, you know, schools did shut down and then that did reflect in the uh, scores afterwards as the uh, children's levels went down after that. Um, one area, Soldatna, did seem to uh, kind of start to impose some strict um, mandates there where one of the private businesses actually had to um, kind of change the way they were run and, and turn it into a private club so that they could keep their uh, coffee shop open. Uh, shout out to Ammo Can Coffee there in Soldatna. <laughs> right. But other than that, uh, no, there wasn't a whole lot. And and I would just like to, to um, ensure that it stays that way, you know, because as we're saying, they're always ramping up for the next thing. There's always people trying to get us to fear so that they can take away a different liberty or there's always an agenda for somebody. So I'd like to see, you know, that uh, the borough can, can't uh, mandate any shots or uh, business closures or anything like that coming from the borough. Right, which is, again, it was one of the blessings that I thought up in Fairbanks because they don't have health and social services powers either. Uh, it's always nice to have a, a limited second-class borough where they don't have that. Of course, you saw what happened in Anchorage as a first-class borough. They could do all of that and more, and uh, it's good to see people fighting uh, on that as well. All right, we're coming back to the uh, we're coming back to the uh, break again, uh, and then we'll spend one final segment here with Adam Bertoldo, who is running for the borough assembly on the Kenai uh, in the Nikiski district. We will continue that discussion here in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Don't forget, you can always join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Michael Duke show slash live or YouTube or Twitch. We're everywhere this morning. It's just, I mean, everywhere, all over the place. And of course, you can pick up the audio only live stream and links to the podcast at MichaelDukeShow.com. Head on over there and check it out. We continue with more and Adam Bertoldo right after these messages. Your mental suppository. The Michael Duke Show. 
Okay, in the break, uh, Adam got 10, min- 10 more minutes in him. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll get this uh, all squared away. Adam, are you been working with any of the other candidates out there? I mean, are you kind of uh, brainstormed with any of the other conservative candidates uh, to try and work together or do anything like that? You know, I have currently there's uh, two conservatives on our assembly, uh, Richard Dirkovorkian and Bill Elam. Now, Richard Dirkovorkian is not running for re-election, so uh, the only conservative right now, and hopefully he'll get re-elected, is Bill Elam. Um, so I've been talking with him. We've got a couple of, uh, there's one down in Homer, Heath Smith. I've heard he's a conservative, um, so i am kind of been spreading word for him and pulling for him. And then um, the person that's actually going to take Richard Dirkovorkian's seat, who's running unopposed, is um, a local pot shop owner. And he's actually on the uh, state marijuana something control association. board, yeah, or whatever, yeah. So he's kind of a he's kind of a big question mark. You know, he's he says he's uh, registered as a Republican and says he's conservative. Of course, everybody around here does. So, so right. that was kind of a question mark. Well, I mean, that's good. Uh, you know, I think it's it. You know, and and you guys have seven members in your assembly or nine. 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 Nine members. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. Uh, I mean, Fairbanks, what they found is that they had to basically all work together to make sure that they, one, didn't run against each other in the different districts and, uh, you know, and two, were able to work together to try and bolster each other. Heath Smith is a friend of the show. He's a, a, an amazing guy. Definitely a strong conservative voice. Um, it, if all of you got elected, would that balance out or would you guys be still be in the minority or where would you be? No. Then I think we have, assuming um, Ryan Tunsis from Kenai is a conservative, then we would have a four to five um, would be the power. So four conservative, um, three probably heavily heavily liberal, two moderate, but I think it would be definitely still left-leaning. Well, I mean, that's a fight. When I first started in the assembly in Fairbanks, it was a four to five. Um, it was a four to five balance, but the two in the middle were more moderate and they would swing back and forth. So, and if you can make a persuasive argument, you could bring them to your side. And and that was yep. easier. When I left, there was only two, it was me and another guy. We were the only two conservatives on the entire, it was a hot, hot mess for that last year. I'll tell you that for nothing. But yeah, so yeah, I would definitely encourage you to work with people like Heath and we're going to try and get uh, uh, Elam on the program next week, uh, right before I'm hoping, fingers crossed that I can get him on the program uh, on Monday to talk about it, to try and bolster that up. But we need the balance, you know, and I'm not saying we need to sweep in and it needs to be nine conservatives. I'm saying if it's four, five or five, four, to me, that's a more balanced assembly. It reflects the views of the people in the area. Uh, and especially if those middle votes are kind of the, like I said, the more moderate swing votes yep. will, will go either way. I, I, I can I can live with that. I think that's great because, again, if you can make a persuasive argument, um, then you have the ability to sway a lot of those people. Um, so it should be interesting. And I don't know if I'd be too worried about the pot shop owner, quite honestly. As a libertarian, I'm like, OK, I mean, you, you do you. I've got plenty of friends who are involved in that industry and uh, they're very conservative folks and they just want to be, okay. you know, they want to be left alone. That's what they want. They want the government to get out of their hair and, and to be left alone. So good for them um, as well. Um, what you, you it, This is totally off topic because we're in the commercial break uh, and you got your wife there with you. I mean, you guys decided to move to what was the bug that said Alaska was where you had you ever been here before or did you just decide that sounds great. Let's go. You know, I think we were led up here by the man upstairs because um, it was like at the same time, uh, my stepdad actually said, oh, yeah, I'd like to go to Alaska sometime. 
And we had both kind of had the itch to get out of where we were. And all of a sudden we were, you know, I had seen some shows on the TV and all of a sudden we both just thought, yeah, let's move to Alaska. And looking back, you know, it seems crazy. I left my, um, my steady job there with the city fire department. Uh, we sold our house, moved up here, didn't, didn't really have a, a big plan or anything. And, uh, you know, just went for it. So that's interesting. Just- I, I think I think many people dream of Alaska at one point. They will always want to go there. A lot of them, when they get here, they're like, they never want to leave. I understand that. You know, it's kind of a thing. But it is interesting to see the call of the North uh, hit people just out of the blue kind of thing to see it and not have a plan. I am encouraged that you basically said, you you know, that entrepreneurial spirit to me is the important part. Between the free spirit of the Alaska frontier and the entrepreneurial spirit, that's what we need is more entrepreneurs who want to come up here from somewhere else. Don't just come up here because we got great welfare benefits or dividends or whatever else, but to come up here because they want to start something new and start something fresh. I think that's a great, uh, I think that's a great uh, uh, uh thing to do yeah and i'm i've we've really enjoyed that and kind of having the flexibility kind of the independence the freedom of being self-employed homeschooling um, i think all of those have just been really good blessings for our family yeah it's great stuff all right well we're coming up to one final segment here and we're going to uh, we're going to go back over some of the things that Adam said that he wants to focus on, and then we'll give him a chance to summate and uh, give us the final pitch as to why we should vote for Adam Bartolo uh, on the Kenai Borough Assembly. Uh, again, like and share, folks. Like and follow. Do all the YouTubey things and get things going on. Uh, we're about to jump back into it and uh, get all those questions answered. Coming up tomorrow, folks from Fairbanks. So that'll be fun too. Here we go, the Michael Duke Show. Okay, one final segment of today's show. Boy, as fast as two hours in radio, I'll tell you that for nothing. Uh, we're here talking with Adam Bertoldo, uh, who is a candidate uh, down in the Kenai Peninsula Borough, running for Borough Assembly in the Nikiski District. And uh, it's uh, it's it's great. We we appreciate you guys uh, coming in and joining us. Uh, Adam, somebody just mentioned Adam making a video in his car. It's because they don't have great internet at their house, and the car is actually a nice sound. I've actually suggested that to several interviewees who are like, my area is really loud, and just go out to your car, bring your phone, go out to your car, make your video there. It's nice and quiet, and you can get great internet if you stand up at the top of the hill. So it's all it's all good. Adam, um, you came in with a game plan, which is, I think, great. I mean, you actually, I could see you looking off, off camera to make sure you hit all your points on your list because a lot of times candidates go in with just, you know, I want to make a change and I want to do this, but they don't have the specifics. You had four separate areas that you wanted to focus on um, if you get elected. So let me wave my magic wand. You're now a member of the assembly. What are your first, you know, what's your first year going to look like? What are the four things that you're going to focus on and what are your ideas for making changes that will benefit everybody? Yeah. Uh, so again, those four areas that I'm that I have uh, strong concerns about are uh, election improvements. There's a lot of things in our election code that could be improved. Uh, school improvements. I think um, there needs to be a little more accountability for the school districts. Um, there's been a, a lot of concerns there, and nobody's really happy with the test scores that we've uh, we've been getting or the level of education. 
Um, I'd like to make the KPB a mandate free zone um, just for whatever, you know, decides to come down the pike or whatever the government or uh, CDC or whoever, whatever expert, you know, thinks we need to do this or that. Um, and then also I'd like to uh, make a plan for uh, reducing our debt in the future and starting to save up for some of these things that uh, the people want to purchase and projects that they want to do instead of um, leaving it to where it's an emergency last minute and then we have to do it on debt and pay interest on that. It's it's interesting. A lot of times, let's start from the from the back and go forward. You're talking about the bonding issue. Uh, I mean, how many times have we seen a bond come up on a building or something that was like, oh, this is an emergency now. We really need to change the carpet or, you know, change out the furnace or replace some wiring or something. And I'm thinking these are improvement projects that should have been going on over the course of years. And now it's like they intentionally let it build up to where it becomes a massive several hundred thousand dollar project. And then they're like, oh, we'll just bond for it. Well, isn't that as a homeowner, don't we have to take care of that as we go along? I mean, sure, every now and then you got to take out a loan to, you know, tree falls on the roof or something, you know, something happens. But for the most part, isn't that things that we should be taking care of all as we go through like a building maintenance fund? You know, well, this this idea, I think there's a special place in hell set aside for the guy who thought up the deferred maintenance idea. Right. I mean, why is there any deferred maintenance? The maintenance should be taken care of at the time. Otherwise, you're misappropriating the money to something else that you think is more important while letting the infrastructure that we paid for as a public rot away. Uh, I mean, shouldn't we be taking care of those things as we go along? Yeah. Yeah, we definitely should be. And as you said, it, it's no surprise. You know, some of these buildings that they're talking about are 60 years old and they're using that as the justification. Well, you know, things uh, things should have been done more along the way. And, and as we all, you know, acknowledge, it's not an emergency. So we need to, uh, and, and we know things are going to come up. So we need to have a savings if we can pay $17 million a year going up to, as I said, next couple of years, it's going to be 22 to 24 million per year. If we can pay that kind of money on debt payments, well, if we reduce our debt, then we can start saving a lot of money towards these things that we, we know are going to happen. You know, if we have another earthquake, we could have another, um, uh, another road break on us. We could have some kind of, uh, building issues. Um, we know that, you know, there's going to be things that need to be replaced going forward. So, you know, we, everybody talks about uh, fiscal responsibility and conservative spending. Well, I think this is really putting your money where your mouth is and actually starting to save up for things in a responsible way. Right. I mean, creating a building maintenance fund that you put money into every year and then you draw out of to take care of those maintenance issues is something that I was most proud of when we were on the assembly uh, because it 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 makes sense. Instead of having a deferred maintenance list that's two or three hundred million, you know, strong. Uh, you know, take care of it now. And that way you don't have to buy. It doesn't have to become an emergency. It's a little forethought, which I think is one of the things that we lack in government, uh, both in the bureaucracy and in the elected officials a lot of times is that long term thinking of, you know, not thinking about just two years down the road, but 20 years down the road. I mean, having a fiscal note on something that tells you what the maintenance cost of a new building is going to be going out the next 10 or 15 years and planning for that ahead of time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think um Maybe that we see that I've been able to see that a little more clearly because my family has uh, we've stayed away for, from debt for the past, I don't know, maybe 15 years or so. Um, so we've seen how it's taken uh, intentionality to save up uh, to get my business going over the years or uh, if we want to purchase um, a certain property or piece of equipment or even a vehicle. 
um, you know, we've been forced to save up. And then uh, and then I think it actually does make um, wiser choices than just having, oh, here's a bunch of uh, bond money. Right. You know, well, I would think. Yeah, I would think in your business, you would understand that, especially building building homes and doing things like that, understanding the cost, ongoing costs of maintenance and everything else. I know a lot of people say, well, you can't take a per- a personal budget and apply it to the government, or you can't take a personal ideal, which I think is is nonsense. You're trying to set government aside as if it's some kind of special entity that, you know, the laws of arithmetic and math don't apply to it. They do, just like to regular households. Yeah. Yeah. And we've seen, uh, you know, it's like the permanent fund dividend or the permanent fund itself. We've seen how if uh, if money is put aside, it can be used responsibly and it can be there instead of um, kind of the opposite end of the spectrum is this whole mess that the uh, federal government has gotten into. And the right. just kind of the compounding debt that just I mean, poof, I don't yeah. know what they're doing. It's it, it is crazy. Um, you talked about the mandates a little bit. Again, you know, luckily, most of the boroughs don't have a whole lot of powers, but at least calling it out and saying, you know, we're going to try and remain as mandate free as possible. I think that's a I think that's a plus as well. Again, it shows that the KPB is open for business uh, when other places may not be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it would be a, a strong kind of statement of, of freedom for the people of the area. And I think we're, you know, we've got enough conservatives here that uh, you know, this should be something that's supported. Right. Uh, we talked a little bit about private property rights and one of the other things that you talked about again, are elections, you know, and that's what, that's, that's what spurred you into ju- jumping into the assembly race was some of the changes that they're making to elections, um, because elections matter. And if you can control the elections or make changes in, you know, w- favor of one way or the other, I, uh, you know, I think that that is a dangerous precedent and it's something we need to be watching for. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and there's a lot of people here that, you know, one of the common uh, complaints I hear is, oh, those dominion machines, you know, I wish they just throw those things away. And, um, I think going into the future, I think the most secure way with all this technology that just is just going to keep improving, the most secure way is going to be going back to hand counting paper ballots. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm not convinced about the Dominion argument overall, but I agree that as technology improves and hackers and ransomware and remote access and everything else that's going on, I think in the long run, you have to eventually count on, uh, you have to eventually depend on hand counts just to make sure that everything's copacetic. Maybe that is at the very end kind of thing. You do the original tally on the machines or whatever, and then you do a hand. But I mean, because technology, I mean, they can hack your phone now. The Internet of Things, they can hack all this stuff, your refrigerator and everything. Uh, There's no way of saying that something can't be changed in the future. So having that hand count as a final tally, I think is always a good thing in the long run. Uh, It just makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. And uh, that's, that's a big thing. A lot of people have lost uh, confidence in our elections um, with, you know, all the shenanigans like ranked choice voting, um, different things like that. And that all that all just kind of seems to help one side. Another is the mail in voting. Uh, a couple of years back, they tried to uh, put mail in voting into place here, but the voters soundly rejected that. Yeah. So. Yeah, they're concerned about it. I mean, you're concerned about the security of it. And I don't know why you wouldn't be uh, concerned about the security of it overall. Um, all right, we're coming down to the last couple minutes here, Adam. So I want to um, – I just want to give you the chance to make your pitch to the – this is your elevator pitch, so to speak, as to why people should vote for Adam Bertolda, uh, you know, what what you bring to the table, how they reach you, 
uh, you know, websites or donations or anything else. This is the chance to get your final uh, your final bite at the apple, so to speak. So uh, I'll let you I'll let you have the floor here. OK, yeah, thanks for having um, again, I'm Adam Bertoldo, and I'm running for the Nikiski seat on the borough assembly here for the Kenai Peninsula. And uh, the main reason I'm, I'm running is because I think we need more strong conservative voices standing up for the people on our borough assembly. Uh, right now, they are left leaning. Um, the person in the Nikiski seat is more of a moderate. Uh, so I don't think he really represents our area well. well and I've seen him vote a lot of the wrong ways on election ordinances. Um, so that was really what spurred me on, and I want to stand for the people and uh, really bring back uh, some of the conservative values to our local government. If anybody wants to reach me, they can call me at 907-744-1118. The uh, early voting has already started. If anybody in my area wants to vote early, they can do it at the Kenai City Hall. And then the election day is October 3rd at the Nikiski Rec Center. And then... Um, other areas, we've got some good candidates running. Uh, Sterling area, we've got Elam and um, Kelly Sizik for school board, which we need some more help there. And then down in Homer, we've got Heath Smith. Um, and uh, I appreciate everybody coming out and voting, and thank you for the support. But no problem. I mean, we need to get more people. Like I said at the beginning, I mean, the most important thing to me is that people start focusing on uh, on this radio show. I stopped focusing on national issues for the most part about ten years ago because I wanted to focus on the local because that's where we can make the difference. If you're sure. frustrated, if you're listening and you're like, "I'm so mad," at, well, stop focusing on the national issues and look inwardly, and maybe you'll discover, like Adam, that. Um, you can affect those local issues, and those are the ones that affect you the most directly each and every day as well. Um, uh, Adam Bertolo, uh, it's good to talk with you. I appreciate you coming on board, uh, and thank you for thank you for being part of the show today. It's uh, it's great to talk with you. Thank you, Mr. Meiser. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, all right. Hold the line for just one second. I'll be right back to you. Don't go anywhere. Folks, coming up tomorrow on the big radio program, we're going to be talking with uh, Michael Humphreys who is uh, running for school board up in the Fairbanks area. And we're also going to be talking with Maggie Matheson as well. So it's all interior politics tomorrow. So you folks in Fairbanks who are like, why am I listening to all the peninsulas? Well, tomorrow it's all going to be you again. And then Monday we're going to try and split the baby, so to speak. One candidate from the peninsula, one candidate from the interior, because Tuesday is election day. All right, that's it. We're done. Be kind. Love one another. Live well. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio. All right, uh, Adam, if you don't listen to the program, this is the chance where I give you that one final bite because I kind of rush people normally at the end of the show. Uh, any final thoughts? Anything we missed? Anything I didn't hit on or cover for you or for Lindsay at this point since she's sitting there right next to you? But uh, anything else that we missed that you wish we'd gotten to? Now's your chance to bring it up. No, I really don't have a, a whole lot of agendas. Um, as I've said before, my primary overarching goal is to be a conservative voice to uh, even out this left-leaning assembly. Yeah, and I appreciate the time to come on. No problem. Confirming your phone number, 907-744-1118. That's right. Okay. I just put that back in the chat room. Somebody was asking about it. She has questions, apparently, so you might be getting a phone call here in a minute on that. Uh, so I appreciate that. Adam, thank you so much for coming on. Tell Lindsay I said thank you. Uh, good luck to both of you. I'd love to see you both Thanks. on there, and appreciate you guys. Welcome to – I know you've been here 10 years, but welcome to Alaska. I haven't talked to you then. Uh, and uh, we'd love to have you here. So thank you so much for coming on board. We'll see you. Uh, we'll see you in the future. 
Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully things go well. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Adam Bertoldo, our guest here on the program. Uh, We are out of time, folks. Tomorrow is another day. It's going to be a good one today. I just, I have a feeling for you. It's going to be good. Again, love one another. Live well. Be kind. Do all those things. Just be a good human being. Good things are going to come your way. I appreciate you all. We will see you tomorrow. Have a great day. shed our terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show